Welcome to the Autonomy Talent Podcast, where we feature creatives, discuss what they do, what they do to promote their creative endeavors, and try to come up with new methods that might boost their results and yours. We'll also have the occasional industry expert here to talk about what's new in digital marketing. So enjoy the show and remember to always live intentionally. There we go. I always like to wait till I see the timer come up on the corner of the screen. Sure, sure, yeah. I did one episode. Uh, I've done one episode of this show via Zoom because the other person wanted to use Zoom. I was like, okay, that's fine. And sure. the file got corrupted as we were ending the call, and I was unable to save it. I've got the file saved, but it won't convert to like an MP4. It has to, it has Zoom's own format, and then it's supposed to convert it when the call is done. It wouldn't. Uh, so I lost that entire like hour and fifteen minute long interview. So oh man, kind of pissed. Yeah, <laughs> I would assume. I would assume. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. As I say, my wife uses Zoom. Um, She's been uh, able to work from home during this whole thing, but uh, I'm actually a nurse, so I've been uh, still working, still still out on the uh, hitting the streets. So yeah, yeah, you're in high demand right now. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely crazy for sure. Being in being in the medical field in general is is pretty wild right now. So. Yeah, I don't envy you in the slightest there. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm blessed that I still have a job because I know a lot of people don't right now. But besides that, it's it's tough. It's tough. I'm actually working at a uh, COVID unit right now in a facility, so I'm staying away from home. I'm actually staying in a hotel right now. I've been out on the road for quite some time, just kind of hanging out in the hotel, just so I don't have to go back home. You know what I mean? Um, right. They prefer people who are working with COVID patients to stay uh, stay in a hotel. So yeah, yeah. Right. Well. I'm- well, thank you for doing that, and I'll have to uh, go ahead and include this part before the intro here because I want to be sure everybody has, uh, gets a chance to hear that. So, thank, oh, you, for, oh. thank you for doing that because I know without you, folks like you, there'd be a lot of more people in a lot worse shape. So, well, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, we do what we can. That's that's it. We just uh, we just do what we can. <laughs> it, it's it's tough, but uh, you know, we we're we're out here doing our best. So, doing well, our best. Do is all you can do, right? Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Uh, well, we're a little late to get to this part, folks, but welcome, everybody. This is the Autonomy Talent Podcast. It's um, a little um, unorthodox here to get started before the introduction, but Mr. Brandon Gardner is on the line with us here from up near Akron in the Ohio area, and uh, he's a indie musician who's come to me through his management team and asked to be on the show and I was like, let's do this. So absolutely, Brandon, absolutely. why don't you let everybody know kind of a little bit about your backstory, where you, um, where you come from, how music came to be a big part of your life and what pretty much got you to this point so far. Sure. I'd be happy to, uh, 
apologies uh, in advance for messing up the uh, the intro a little bit, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my name is Brandon Gardner. I'm uh, 32. Um, like Bill was saying, I'm from around Akron, Ohio, between Akron, Akron, Canton, and uh, I've been playing music now for oh lord, I don't even know, maybe probably about 22 years. I started playing when I was about 10 years old. Um, I just always had like a, a fascination with music and um, just was always, even before that, just kind of making up these little songs and singing them and, and just having these little, you know, songs in my head. And uh, I, I, you know, I was raised in a, a house of music, if you will. Um, we always had something going on the record player. Um, you know, my mom was always running the the Beatles and Bob Dylan and uh you know the Stones and all that and uh you know I I had a fascination with that from from a very early age so I started uh like I said tinkering around when I was probably about 10 my my mom got me my first uh keyboard it was just a really cheap Radio Shack keyboard um she actually said that she never thought I'd ever play it um, it was like one of those toys, you know, where your mom's like, you're never going to use that kind of thing. Right. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, ended up playing it till the keys fell off. And I think that's when she saw I was, uh, you know, I was serious. I was, I, I really wanted to start playing music. So, um, I, I, I started playing around that time. Um, didn't get into seriously. I wouldn't even say like seriously, but like starting to like write my own songs. So I was probably about 13, 14. Um, and, uh, again, it was more out of necessity than anything else. I just had these melodies and these, these little like songs and these little, you know, small little arrangements in my head. And, uh, I just needed to find a way to get them, get them out of my head. Essentially. It's kind of like an earworm. Um, when you, you know, you get a song stuck in your head, but in this case, I couldn't just listen to it to make it go away. So I had to actually physically like put it out there um so i started playing then um that's about the same time i got into like music in school like band and and we were lucky that the school that i went to had not only a band program but we also had like music theory classes and, and things like that so um i started getting more you know serious into studying that stuff around that age and um about the same time i started writing and uh, i did that for about a year and when i was I would say 14 is when I joined the first band that I was in. Um, and then throughout high school, I played with various bands. Um, I was lucky to hook up with a couple bands that were already signed and uh, had some, uh, you know, small notoriety, nothing, uh, you know, no, nothing huge, like on a national level. But um, I even started touring and, and playing shows and, and, and that kind of thing when I was, uh, you know, probably about 16, 17. So I was still in high school. I actually moved out when I was 17 to um, move in with a band that I was playing with. Um, at the time, we were called Deep Sleep Empire. Um, we had a little bit of notoriety. Like I said, we, you know, some radio play. We did some touring. Um, and, uh, from that point I, uh, moved to Pittsburgh. Um, we were actually, uh, had a management company out there. It was, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the band Punchline, but it was the singer of Punchline actually managed our band for, for a while. And, um, you know, we played out there, did that kind of thing. Um, and then eventually, um, I moved back home started doing some composition work because I was always very interested in that. I uh, went to school for a Kent State for music composition and piano performance for a couple of years um, and then dropped out again to continue kind of traveling and touring and playing with bands and things like that. And I did that up until I was about 22, 23 years old. Um, and at that point, um, 
had some some issues, like some some uh, addiction issues. I, I'm pretty open about being, um, you know, an ex-alcoholic. Uh, I that that kind of lifestyle, that band lifestyle, kind of led into that, and um, because of that, I, I uh, you know. Eventually, the wheels fall off, as they always do, when you're you're partying too hard for too long, and uh, I needed to give it a break. So um, I completely dropped music for about uh, six, seven years um, before I started playing or writing again at all. Um, and then out of that came this project that I'm currently kind of, you know, promoting. This is my first solo project. Um, and... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's this is kind of where we are now. We put this together last year um, and actually released it this year in January. My first uh, first EP, the Karma Bit EP. Um, like I said, first solo project. Um, did all the writing, wrote, recording, playing. First time I recorded and kind of started mixing my own uh, album. I, I did a little bit of the mixing. I still had a producer to do the uh, you know final mixing and mastering and that kind of stuff. But um, basically, just a whole new thing for me. First time doing vocals all that stuff so um it's been an interesting ride man <laughs> music has uh, i've seen the ups and downs of music uh, over the years and uh you know uh, no matter what i always end, eventually end up going back to it so uh here we are <laughs> so yeah, once it's in your blood there's no getting it out <laughs> it's very hard to it's, it's infecting it's definitely infecting yeah yeah i cannot see myself the time i took off um i'm glad i did to kind of get my life together um like i said i got sober and um it just my life at that time was no longer conducive with the partying, traveling, you know, um, you know, I, I'm going to use big air quotes here, rock star lifestyle, if you will, um, you know, using a lot of substances and drinking and stuff like that. Um, I found out that, um, I was going to have a son six years ago and, uh, my, my son turned six in May and that marked my six year of sobriety. So I'm pr pretty happy about that. <laughs> awesome. That's enough. That's a, definitely a good reason to clean yourself up. I know I, I have a 12-year-old daughter, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It changes your perspective on things. Absolutely changes your perspective on things, like what's most oh, important to you. So absolutely, absolutely. But, um, yeah, that's why, like I said, we we just put out the uh, Carbon Bit EP. Um, I also do film composition. I'm working on my uh, first documentary in a long time, so um, just – just uh, finish up the composition for that, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to be back in the music scene. Like a lot of creatives uh, I know and have spoken to and know personally and all that, um, it seems like you're, you said you're into video production as well. It's, uh, it seems like once you get the creative bug, you know, you realize that, hey, this is who I am. It's, you seem to find multiple outlets for that, and so you always have a way to be creating something i know that's that's the way it is for me i'm always tinkering with something so i have something i'm working on this creative one way or another yeah sure absolutely um ironically like being in like more of the indies music scene was never something like like actually playing with bands was was always kind of secondary i always originally wanted to do film score um and uh you know that was that was my like i said I, I originally went to school for music composition that's what that was my dream growing up uh, was to was to be um you know one of the the famous film composers but uh it just seemed like the indie band thing kind of took off instead and uh i really really fell in love with that genre of music and the people and the scene and you know just the whole thing um and and the unique thing about writing indie music was i could put lyrics to 
my music as opposed to mostly film score. They just want the instrumentation. So um, it's also a good outlet because I love to write as well. Love, love, love writing. That's, I would say, my second love besides music. So. Well, that's spectacular. Um, I do a bit of writing, mostly comedy writing myself, but I've uh, been dabbling with that for some time now as well. Always have to keep at least a, a little side note on my phone or something little, you know, my Notekeeper app. I always keep a, a, a folder full of bit ideas or you know, little comedy bits here and there. So I have a couple of different sitcoms. I've written the bulk of the uh at least the character studies and the over overall themes and such for not haven't gotten down to the nitty gritty of you know actually writing out full episodes as of yet but main major storylines and story arcs you know that's been pretty well taken care of so I I, under, I fully understand the <laughs> the need for multiple creative outlets. Well, hey man, when you get those sitcoms up and running, you let me know. I'm I'm happy to score them for you. That'd be great. <laughs> I was just thinking that when you were talking about that, I was like, oh hey, somebody that can write the write the little jingle for the sitcom. Sure, <laughs> sure. I love it. Absolutely, I'm all about it. Yes, you let me like know. Back in the eighties, like back in the eighties, yeah. when every sitcom had to have its own little, really catchy little jingle that went with it. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I, I miss that actually a little bit. Is the uh, is the fun little jingles that go along with uh, with sitcoms. Uh, I guess they're a little bit corny, but I love it, man. I, I'm kind of a corny guy, self admittedly. Uh, I'm a little bit of a nerd, so I'm <laughs> I, I'm okay with admitting that. <laughs> but, I need to do a game on here one time. I think I might get my little brother on on the air here one of these days soon and uh, do one where I take clips of various like '80s theme songs and. Uh, see like have like two or three people on and see who can name it <laughs> yes yeah yeah you just have to make sure yeah, they're an older crowd i suppose because uh it's uh, you know a lot of times uh, i'm talking about these older shows and um I, I i also teach i know i brought up nursing earlier i'm also i i also do nursing instructing and i would say the average age of my student is probably probably about 21 and uh, you'd be surprised some of the things I bring up. They have no idea what I'm talking about. None at all. No, no, no clue about the old shows that I'm talking about. Kind of oh, makes yeah. me feel dated. But uh, who, who is Alex P. Keaton? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 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 Like, if you don't know who Alex P. Keaton is, I don't think we can be friends. <laughs> That's right. Amen. Amen to that. I hear ya. I hear ya. Na 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 na. Oh man, yeah, yeah, that was a good time of of of, of uh, sitcom music, yeah, for sure, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, that was my teenage years, and I remember those vividly. It was it was a wild time back in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, I didn't catch much of the eighties. I guess I got the reruns. I was born in eighty eight. Right. So I got all the the nice nineties reruns of them though. So I, I still got uh, still got to enjoy them. Luckily, yeah, same here. You know, when I was a small kid in the seventies, you know, I was catching reruns of like Gilligan's Island and the Monsters and things like that nature from the decade prior, decade or two prior. So I understand. Absolutely, it's great. I love me some Gilligan's. Love me some Gilligan's Island. I'm all about it. As a matter of fact, I think when I was really little, the Beverly Hillbillies was still actually airing new episodes for a couple of years that I can remember. But that, that's as far back as I can remember. That is awesome. That like is that the is last awesome. couple of years that were actually in color. <laughs> yes, yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, they maybe. may have already been in reruns by then, but I think they were still airing like on Sunday night or something like that. Sure, sure. Yeah, they really do sound like the good old days. Uh, 
you know, especially with what's going on, everything now, the, the craziness of the world, it, it, they were, you know, it's, it's funny. You hear your, your, your parents, your grandparents say like, well, they were just simpler times. And you're like, yeah, whatever, mom and dad, like growing up or grandma and grandpa. But now I'm sitting back here reminiscing about those times. Like they were just easier times. They were better times. You know what I mean? I'm the exact same way now. So <laughs> trust me, I get it. I'm 48 with a 12 year old daughter. And like, she has known her entire life. A phone is something that has is just a touch screen thing that you hold in your hand. That's what she knows is a phone. That her, yeah, it's, it's crazy. That, that for me it was like the thing that used to be tethered to the wall. They had an actual dial you had to spin on the front of it to make the thing dial a number. I do. Yeah, my grandmother had a, a phone that. Um, kind of a funny story. So she bought a phone from I, an old department store. I don't remember which one it is, but I, they're, they're not around now. And it was one of the um, the spin dial phones. And Montgomery she, Ward or something like that. <laughs> probably, yes, yes, yes. And Or Sears and Roebuck or, or whatever it may be. But she had this phone until oh, probably about five or six years ago. Like she still had this phone, this landline phone. And uh, we come to find out she had leased the phone back in like the sixties and was still making payments on this, this rotary phone from the sixties. No. So over the years, she probably paid $5,000, $6,000, if not more for a rotary phone. <laughs> Is that not amazing? Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. got, she got ripped off. I got this for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. We were, we were amazed. We were shocked. Well, she she's starting to get to a point my grandmother where like she needs a little more help with things so that's how it came about we were over there kind of helping her with her bills and my mom was like what is this bill from this company like i've never even heard of them before and we come to look and it's a, a monthly payment for a rotary phone that yeah yeah amazing <laughs> just amazing but wow that's it's probably a holdover from back when it was the bell companies that ran all the telephones around the country yeah very very well could have been, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. With Bell Telephone before it was split up into like all the regional ones, and then pieces and parts sold off to various entities from there. But that's yeah, crazy. Absolutely. You'd, you'd think at some point she would have had it paid off, and they would have quit billing her for it after you know thirty, forty, fifty years. I, I yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm still like we're we're still kind of amazed how it happened. We called them and canceled it, obviously, but. Um, yeah, yeah, she, I don't know, she, she, she just fell through the cracks. I know my grandfather, before he passed away, always handled the money stuff. So when she had to take over the bill, she just kind of kept paying everything she was paying before. So, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's that's kind of hilarious. So that's my rotary phone story, <laughs> yeah. My parents still have like a, it's a, it's a reproduction of like an old, the old kind that had the, just a uh, little microphone that stuck off the front of it and the little earpiece that you had to, that hung on the sides that you had to pick up and hold separately, you know? Yes, yeah. Had the little dial in the front. They have a, a replica of one of those hanging in their dining room. It's, it's kind of neat. My daughter and my nephew, who's at her same age, they love playing with it, you know? But I remember, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what phones used to look like back in my day. <laughs> I remember right, we right. got our first touch tone phone, and it's like that was like, it was still a, something that hung on the wall, but and was tethered by a cord. But it, 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 instead of having the dial, you could actually hit buttons to dial the numbers. Like wow! And then a few years later, 
pardon me, a few years later, we get our first cordless telephone for the house. And it was like, it was like we were magically somehow just transported into the future because now we could walk around the house and talk on the telephone without a wire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can only imagine it was amazing. Like, I, I have a. I mean, I kind of remember the transition. I, I was one of the cool kids that had a pager um, when the pagers were a hot thing. Um, I remember vividly mine was blue, but it was translucent, so you could see the inside of it. I and remember those. Obviously, this was before cell phones, so I'm not sure why I had a pager when I was like 12. I just know everybody at school had them, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So, um, yeah, yeah, good times. Unless you were a doctor or a drug dealer, I don't think you really needed one, but it, it was a neat thing to have. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it was just like a local thing, but it was a big thing in our area. Everybody, everybody wanted to have a pager. It was just a, it was a bee's knees, I'll tell you. That would have been what around, <laughs> what year are we talking? Oh, Lord. Um, it was definitely in the 90s, probably like 95, maybe 94, 95-ish. Around that time, I would say, is when the pager thing was, was pretty popular. Yeah, because it was probably around like 2000 when cell phone usage started becoming much more adopted because they got down to a, a price point where most people could afford the, both the phones and the plans. So it was right around the 2000 time when I know I got my first phone in, uh, I think it was in 2000 actually. And, and it was right about that time that everybody started getting them. It just became like suddenly pagers were obsolete almost overnight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no good reason to have a pager now <laughs> nowadays. Um, I know some doctors that still have them, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, but it was a fun little fad for sure. It really was. I when I was in the Navy in the early, early to mid '90s, it was a lot of people had pagers, and personally, I didn't, I didn't really have a use for one, so I never bothered with it. But I know a lot of people that was that was their lifeline. They would, oh, I've got a page, and it's like. Okay. They, then they're like scrambling trying to find a phone so they can call somebody. It's like, can I borrow your phone or go to find one to pay phones on base or something? It's like, uh, yeah, if people need to contact me that badly, they can figure out a way. I'm not carrying a pager. <laughs> right, right. They'll find a way. They'll find a way. Thank you for your service, by the way. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it. I come from an Air Force family, so, uh, yeah, I, I know uh, how much of a commitment it is to serve. My dad put in 30 years, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. My father was Air Force during Vietnam, and my grandfather on my mom's side, actually, was uh, Army Air Corps in World War II, which is what wound up eventually becoming the Air Force later on. But right, right. actually was one. Well, that's awesome. That's, that's, a, that's amazing, yeah. He was a... B-17 pilot stationed out of Italy doing runs over Germany. So, wow. Very, very fortunate because about 60 to 70 percent of those guys didn't make it back. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. That's crazy. That's really crazy. Yeah. Well, my hat's off to that. No doubt about that. Amazing. So back on the music front, what are you doing right now to kind of help promote yourself? So right now, um, I have a 
right now, I'm, I mean, obviously, when you're a small artist, you're doing a lot of footwork yourself. Um, I do have a manager as well. Um, his name's Chad Williams. He, it's a Triton management. He's a great guy. Um, we've been friends for a very long time, and he, he's just kind of helping me out with this. He actually did um, management for um, – more like video game and entertainment marketing for a long time and was pretty successful with that. And, uh, he heard uh, the album and, uh, you know, we kind of briefly talked about him being my manager just cause you know, we, 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 we had been friends for, for a very long time and, uh, he decided to give it a, give it a whirl, give it the, give the music world a whirl. And, uh, he's been helping me out a great amount. So, um, mostly, um, you know, social media marketing, we're actually doing a marketing campaign, um, with a couple other podcasts, like with an advertising campaign. Um, so th that's been pretty cool. Um, but mostly I would say that, I mean, the big thing now is, uh, just, just hitting the, the, the social media the, and, and, you know, reaching out to people like you, um, we just did an interview, a full story in a Grimes magazine. It's a relatively new magazine um, from this lady named Alicia Grimes. She uh, is a powerhouse. I mean, there's no other way of putting it. She's a powerhouse on social media. And, um, you know, she was interested in doing a, a story on it. So just kind of hitting as many platforms as possible. Um, you know, marketing now for music is so much different than when I was in the music industry before. Um, it's almost like a day and night difference. I had to relearn all of this all over again, almost, um, you know, back when I left the music scene, um, social media was starting to get a little more popular, but still like if you wanted a label to hear your music, you were sending them an actual physical like CD demo. You were at shows, handing out flyers, you were passing out CDs on the street in front of venues. You're, and then obviously, you know, playing shows that, that's the, that was a big way to reach people. Um, social media wasn't near as big of a thing or just digital marketing in general wasn't near as big of a thing when, when I left the music industry. So um, you know, it's been a lot different. There's been, definitely been a learning curve. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to deny that it's been, uh, and, and to be frank, I, I'm not crazy about social media. I, I you know, I, I've said this several times uh, with different people, but, um, it's just not my thing. I, I don't have anything against people being on social media. Um, it's just not my cup of tea, you know, not my jam. I'm just not uh, crazy about it. So it's nice that I have Chad, my manager to, to handle all the social media aspects of things and, and all that. Um, just because like I said, it's not my, uh, not my preferred venue. I like to see people, talk to people, meet them in person. You know, that's just what I'm used to is actually going out and beating the streets and, and actually physically talking to people. So. Yeah, that's, there's a lot of that. I know like, um, I've only been actually, I've been playing music on an amateur level for, years since I was like 12 I think I was like 10 or 11 when I got my first guitar and, and off and on over the years just tinkering with it nothing very serious and only about uh, I guess going on three years ago now I finally started piecing together my first band that never really went anywhere but we we'd get together sometimes and jam and we're working up a few songs a couple covers and then a few originals and and that kind of dissolved and I wound up finding the band I'm with now but um Long story short is that uh, in both of those instances, like almost nobody even wanted to mess with social media. It's like my first first band, the guys like my drummer, he had he well, didn't even have a Facebook account, Twitter, nothing. He had nothing to do with any of it. He he, 
just didn't want to deal with it at all. He had a phone. You want him? You wanted him? You could text him, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that was the sure. only way to contact him. Sure. Like, wow. And the other guy, he was on Facebook, but I think that was it. Uh, he, that was like the only thing he had. He didn't mess with Twitter or Instagram or anything else. And and I'm over here with like, you know, of all the stuff I've managed over the years, I still have several laying around that I don't use anymore. But I've several I'm actually actively using. Wow. I have like four, 14 Twitter accounts, you know, four wow. or five Instagram accounts, about eight or ten different Facebook pages that I'm managing. Oh. Those are the, the, the pages, not I only have the one personal account, but sure, I have sure. pages. And, uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm kind of the the black sheep in that regard. I'm the, the odd man out on that one because everybody's like, yeah, whatever. They don't want to mess with it. I'm like, yeah, that's okay. I got it. And I'm, I'm doing this stuff all day, every day anyway. What's what? Like my current band, I just asked them a couple of weeks ago, I was like, is there a Twitter account for the band in? They're like, no, we never got around to creating one. I was like, oh, wow, we're missing out here, guys. Um, yeah, I've got I, I've got my old Twitter account for my old band. I can just like repurpose it and rename it and just because it only had like 50, 60 some odd followers. I never did much with it. So I was like, I can just repurpose that one, rename it to this one, put all new logos and stuff like that on there, and, and I'll get us a Twitter account going. And they're like, sure, man, that sounds good. So, the one guy, our singer, Brad, he was saying that he'd been doing most all the social and everything before that and was kind of looking to offload that anyway. I was like, yeah, dude, I've got – I'm adding one more Twitter account to my, to my daily routine really isn't going to make that much of a difference. So I'm, I'm totally good with doing it. <laughs> no big deal. Right, right. No, no. And I'm, you know, I don't deny at all that it's 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 necessary nowadays. I mean, it's it's necessary to have, to have that presence online. Um, you know, and I think that that is, I mean, in the time period we are, that's the 100% best and most efficient way of reaching people. Um, so I, I don't want to call it necessarily uh, a necessary evil. Uh, if you're going to uh, really take yourself to, you know, like, like, like try to seriously push your music, but um, you know, like I said, it's just not, not my favorite thing. I, I, I just, I worry about the impact. Uh, long-term of social media is it, my concern. There's a lot of benefits to it. I don't deny that. It's great that people can stay connected, um, you know, that that families can see each other, whether they wouldn't normally see each other and, and you kind of keep up, you know, what's going on with aunt so-and-so or uncle so-and-so. And I think that's great, you know, and you can push messages very quickly via via social media you know um a lot of what we've seen recently um you know we those messages and and different things are being uh shared on social media and, and it has instant you know results um and it's impactful it's just not uh like i said i i worry more about the long-term effects of social media um and and it just uh like i said it's just not not my thing it's just not my thing I guess the easiest way to sum it up. So that brings me to a point I've uh, kind of debated with some people over uh, for not say over the years for some time now, not too many years, but with artists such as yourself um, and their social media accounts, I have to kind of wonder about the. Um, the usefulness of even having them if you're not going to be the one doing it yourself. And I say that because I see a lot of artists and other celebrities from various different genres of entertainment who you can tell when they just have an account set up and some PR person is posting just broadcast messages on there 
and there's no inter- engagement, no no real fan or interaction or anything. It's just people follow it and they happen to see it once in a while versus the people who are in the trenches. They're actually doing it. They're actually in there talking. You could tell it's them posting themselves. People are engaging with them and actually talking back. They respond to fans and that sort of thing. Um, I almost wonder if it's even worth bothering with if you're not going to be doing it yourself. What is your thoughts on that? I mean, I see your point. I see your point. Um, and, and I think it's a, it's a valid point. And this is actually something that <clears throat> um, I talked a lot with, um, you know, my manager, who's, like I said, managing most of my social media. Right. Um, with, the, with the exception of, like, my, my Twitter, um, I, do, I do, do most of the interaction on there. Like, occasionally um, he'll, he'll post stuff and do, you know, random things like that. But most of... I, I still use that as an outlet to say things when, um, you know, I feel like they need to be said or like if, if someone interacts with me on like a fan level, I still want to be the one personally to doing that. But it was very important to me from the beginning <clears throat> that if I was going to have somebody else essentially being me, because that's what they're doing, um, I, you know, we wanted to, we sat down right from the get go, right from the beginning of our, our you know, our business relationship as opposed to our friendship relationship to make sure that he understood like my core goals and my core morals and, and what I'm about and what my music is about and what my message is and what I want and what I don't want. And, um, you know, those kind of things, cause I wanted that message still to be there. I don't think I could trust a random PR manager to manage my Facebook account. The good thing about working with Chad is I, I've been friends with him for quite some time and, and we're pretty much on the same level as far as, um, you know, what our goals are and what we want and, and those kind of things. And like I said, I still, you know, get all the notifications. I'm still up on things. So when something comes up, um, I can still personally interact with people, which I like. Um, and also, you know, if I have something to say, you know, if I have a message that I want to get across, um, I can still do that, which especially is important, I would say, for me and my music. Um, being a folk musician, I feel like, has lost a little bit of what folk music was originally about. I feel like folk music was originally, um, you know, about kind of, I don't want to say like revolution, but it was revolutionary ideas. It was people who were not afraid to speak their mind and not afraid to call out things that weren't right in, you know, our, our world and our government and, and of the people, you know, they, they were not afraid to kind of speak up. I always kind of say like folk music was kind of like the, punk version of like like if what what folk is to like country music punk is to to rock and roll right like they were the ones out there um just kind of beating the streets and saying whatever they want what they need to be said and kind of using their platform to to you know say something um if i'm going to be speaking to the world i want you know, I want to actually be saying something. I want to use my platform to make a difference or, you know, at least plant ideas, set little fires, if you will. I mean, I guess that's a bad reference now, but I mean, like, like Bob Dylan, uh, you know, he, he set the country on fire. He, he had messages and ideas and, and could change things. And, you know, and just through the power of his music was able to, you know, uh, change ideas and, and make people think and make people question and those kind of things. And I think that's what folk music is about. And I, I you know, I, I, I would like to get back to a place of that. Um, I love, you know, the, the, 
the renaissance of folk music, um, all the new folk musicians that, um, you know, are, are doing more of the, uh, I don't want to say this in an offensive way, but kind of like the, the cutesier, like love song kind of folk music, like, like that kind of stuff. I think it's great. I think it's great exposure to, to folk music, but again, I'd kind of get like to get back to the like grassroots movement feeling of, of what folk music was all about. And that level has always kind of been there. Even back through the '60s, there was so much of that. You know, the the hippie movement of the day. They were pe- preaching peace and love through some folk music like that. So that element, that more poppy element of folk, has always kind of been there. It's just a little bit more pronounced, I guess, these days. Sure, sure, yeah. I think they just went about it, you know, in a different way. I, I think that um, definitely. And, 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 yeah, and I mean, still, even if, even with the popular folk music preaching, um, peace and love, they still had a message. I, they weren't just, I mean, some of them were just singing a love song about the, the, the girl that they love or the girl they broke up with and that kind of stuff. And again, that's always been a huge part, a pillar of like what it, it makes people creative is heartbreak. But at the same time, you know, they were also preaching a message, which I think is, like I said, that that's kind of, in my opinion, what, what folk music was, that's what turned me on to folk music was, um, you know, these people were out there and they were saying something and they weren't having to be, you know, like violent or disruptive. They could say it with this nice, peaceful, you know, like acoustic guitar and people listened, people listened and people were interested and engaged. Um, and, and, and that's what I want for my music. I want to have a message. I, I, I want to, um, you know, be able to reach people in that way. And uh, going back to, you know, the, the original question, that's why it was really important for me to sit down at the beginning of our, you know, our, our relationship as far as manager artists and make sure that we were on the same page with what I wanted, what my ideals were, my thoughts, beliefs, those kind of things. Um, because I do want it to be genuine. I, I do want a genuine relationship with you know, my fans and with people and things like that. And again, that's why I prefer this kind of platform where I can get out and actually, you know, speak my piece, if you will, you know what I mean? I can get out there um, and still converse with people and still talk to people um, and and just not have it all be through social media. (laughs) So. That is awesome. That's a great answer. And as far as back to the Twitter account, as long as you're maintaining a recognizable voice so that people can tell you know this is this is an official thing it's not uh just some random like intern they had like oh you're up next you throw the next tweet up there because those things are so easy to spot no absolutely and i couldn't i couldn't agree with you more and like i said i honestly don't think i would trust some random uh pr firm with, with 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 my 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 image let's be let's be frank you know our social media is essentially our image and i i, I wouldn't put that in you know it blows my mind one of my my favorite bands and i don't want to call them out but they just had an issue where um somebody on one of their PR people put something stupid on Twitter and they had to come out the next day and say, Hey, sorry, this guy uh, doesn't really represent us, like our real beliefs and feelings. And he's fired now. It's like, well, why didn't you, you know what I mean? Like, I I don't know. Chad doesn't post anything without me knowing about it. You know what I mean? He'll send me something. He's like, what do you think of this cool, like repost that I saw or this and that. And, you know, we'll talk about it and it'll go up there, especially recently. Uh, initially, I was less engaged. Recently, I've been much, much, much more engaged with my actual Twitter, like being on there personally myself. Um, but uh, that's about the only platform that I'm personally interactive on. So that's the that's the most interactive one of them all, really, to be honest with you, because of the conversational nature of it. It's Facebook is 
you can get some of that through the comments, but it's not really the same. You don't get that same level of like interaction. It doesn't feel like a conversation, it, it, like it does on Twitter and like Instagram. Is I don't. There's very little actual from what I've seen conversation going on like that on Instagram. It's just post pictures and let everybody see them and somebody comments once in a while. But in Twitter is where the uh, it's. For how they've managed to stay relevant, well, I can tell you why. Well, because of this very reason, because they've managed to maintain a good conversational, you know, basis to their network, and they—that's how they've been able to maintain relevancy for more than a decade now. So, hats off to Twitter. They've really come a long ways, and the indie music community is just really thriving there. And I'm, I'm so glad to be a part of it. it it's, it's really amazing to watch. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and, and again, that goes back to there are, you know, great aspects to social media. You know, there there's so many, so much easier ways to connect with people, you know, all over the world, people you would have never met and, and to get your music out there and to get people to listen to it, which I mean, ultimately, you know, it's my goal. I don't care for much else. I, I've done the traveling artist thing. I've done the, you know, uh, playing in front of tons of people and I've done, uh, I've done all that stuff. And that's, I'm not looking necessarily for that again. That's, that's not what I'm trying to recreate here. I, I have different expectations for my music. I, at this point, I just, you know, want my message to be heard. I, I, I'm not so much concerned with, with money or recognition or things like that. So as many people that you can get, you know, your music in front of that you can get your, you know, songs playing on their, on their headphones, like the, the, the happier I am, that, that that's really what I want out of this project. That's all any of us are really looking for in the end is just enough people to listen to it, to make it worthwhile. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, even if I say all the time, for my own sanity, even if nobody's listening to my music, I'm going to just keep cranking out songs. You know, that's what keeps me sane. That's my, that's my therapy. But, um, you know, now that there has been a little bit of recognition behind, um, you know, what I'm doing and, and and it seems like it's kind of picking up steam, um, you know, even better because that gives me, you know, a platform to say what I have to say. And I, I think that, you know, people deserve to hear it. Um, you know, I, I just think that, uh, Again, if you're going to have a platform, you're going to have ears listening to you, then you should have a message to give to people. You should be saying something, Um, you know, not I don't want to like downplay anybody's music, but I I just feel like there's so much music now that is saying nothing, nothing at all, nothing of any substance, nothing of any purpose. Um, And it just, you know, it's. It's sad. It's just sad, I guess. Uh, you know, I there always has good. been. I mean, you can look sure. back all, sure. as long as I can remember. There's been just, just fluff. Just it was. It's just silly music with no real substance. It's just made to listen to and have a good time. It'd be party music is just made to play at the club or whatever. To something that's just made to entertain like young adolescent, teenage, pardon me, and teenage kids. You know that aren't really discerning that discerning in the first place it that all has its place but that has its place over there <laughs> we're talking right. about something different over here huh? i'm right on hey, board exactly exactly yeah <clears throat> and uh yeah i mean it does have its place it does you know there i'm glad that there's fun music it's just uh i feel like i don't know and again maybe i'm just reminiscing here maybe i'm just uh you know um 
romanticizing uh, the the past, but I feel like even before the message, the songs that were were popular, they they still had some kind of message. They still had you know something to say. I mean, there was sure there's always like the you know just as like Cindy Loppers and stuff like that. The the the, the just were just fun music to listen to or what have you. But I feel like even you know like the 60s the the 70s there there was still some message to their music there was storytelling if nothing else um which you know i think is kind of the greatest way to get your point across sometime you don't have to come straight out and say what it is you want it's so much better if you can craft that into a story that has a moral message um you know, you know i i think that that's even a, a more fun way to, to to get your you know what your ideas and opinions and things like that are and it kind of leaves it a little more up to um you know the listener to decipher and either you can take it at face value or can you can look it into a little more and uh you know dig out those metaphors and things like that and um you know that maybe that's just my preference of music but i love sitting down and like well what did this artist really mean when he was saying this you know what i mean or he or she was saying this like what is this like contextually supposed to be saying um you know and i feel like there's just more of that than there was now i mean if you look if you dig you can find it i just feel like i guess pop music itself even is is, is different than it was then um and again is, maybe yeah. that's maybe that's not necessarily that it's a bad thing um you know i obviously times are different and, and uh, every generation has, you know, their music. And, and, and I think that that's fine. I accept that, you know, that's totally fine. Uh, I don't mean to sound like an old, old fogey here. Um, not at all by any means, but uh, I don't know. That That's just uh, how I feel, you know, that there's, there's just, it's, you got to dig nowadays to find the, the music that that's, that's more meaningful. So yeah, I, I get that. I mean, you go all the way back to the 50s. There were the silly songs like about the little yellow polka dot bikini and the purple people eater and just silly stuff like that that really had, was just for fun even back in those days. But sure. um, there was a lot more substantive music throughout, the, especially the 60s. It seems like that was more of a like a renaissance of that, you know, of people I, not to. <laughs> this is going to sound a little funny, but people expanding their minds, and I don't mean necessarily just with LSD, but they were people were right, opening no, up to no. much more, much more um, thought-provoking music and whatnot. So sure, and if it happened to be in concurrence with LSD, yeah, all the better. Oftentimes <laughs> it was, yes, but not always. <laughs> no, not always. In, in the yeah, artist or the but yeah i don't know that's my old man rant i guess um you know like i said i think that whatever kind of music you're into all the better um i you know music is obviously something that's been deeply rooted connected with us since the beginning of time and and even when it was just you know drum beats in in the jungle that just people dance to i mean like it's it's just been an intricate part so whatever whatever moves your feet if you will i i'm i'm not trying to downplay it or poo-poo it or anything like that um, you know, it's just, uh, like I said, I, I, when I listen to music and, and maybe I just listen to music differently, but like when I listen to music, I want to actually sit down and listen to music. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't have it so much as a background thing. It's my primary thing I'm doing when I'm listening to music. So I like to kind of dig around and dig into things and, and listen to the way that the song's written and listen to the lyrics and kind of break them apart and, and then those kind of things. So I've actually been only recently getting back into doing that more often because I mean as is the case and you know, we get busy and things are going on I, I have to admit the music has been the background noise in my day most of the time for many many years now but 
I've only recently over the past few years started really getting back into, okay, when an artist I like comes out with a new album, taking, putting on my headphones, plugging it into my phone, as it is these days, and sitting and listening to the entire album front to back. I've only done it a handful of times, but I like doing that so I can become more familiar with it because I kind of missed that. I remember way back in my day when I still had, it was still on cassettes we were listening to, every time you got a new one, the first thing you did was put it in until play the whole side A and flip it over and play the whole side B straight through and and listen to the entire thing front to back and and I kind of missed that you know I kind of missed that intimate involvement with the music itself so I'm really trying to make an effort to do that plus starting to listen to a lot more indie music now a lot more since I'm doing the other segment on here the indie artist spotlight that I do now. And uh, so each week I listen to like three tracks from an artist and I sit and give my commentary on them. I break down the music, the, the the lyrics and everything. So that's really been beneficial to me in that I'm getting to actually really let the music sink in more than, than I had in a long, long time. So I, I get that. I have, like I said, I hadn't done that much in a long time. So I'm really just now starting to get back into that. So I, I can appreciate where you're coming from. And, and that's it's so ironic you say that because my wife gives me such a hard time because I'll, I'll we'll be driving and I'll put on an album and I just uh, I like to let it play through I I I appreciate the art of putting a full album together or a full EP not just you know singles and things like that um, I I love the art of of album writing you know and and back and still people do but like the the idea of concept albums and things like that I just love the art behind that I I, I think it's there's an art to songwriting and there's also an art to actually like writing albums, like putting albums together and making them flow and making them be coherent and, and have, you know what I mean? This, this kind of movement and sway of, of, of the, of the tracks that kind of take you on a journey, if you will, you know what I mean? Um, just, just to take that ride from, from the album front to back and really appreciate like what that artist was doing. Um, yeah, that's that's something that I love love to do. Love to do. It's it's really like I said. It's ironic you say that because uh, my wife gives me such a hard time about it. She's like, let's flip to this song. Let's flip to this song, or let's flip to this artist. I'm like, I, I just want to listen to the album. I just want to listen to the whole album. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to sit down and listen to it. Well, but, few people, um, few people consume music that way anymore, and that's like I've mentioned it to several people that uh, my daughter will never know that experience. That I still to this day. There are many songs that I've listened to since I was a teenager that when that song ends, my brain is already starting to play the next song. Yeah. yeah. In my head, I'm hearing that next song coming up, and when it's not that, it goes to something else. It's a little a bit of a letdown, you know, minor as it is. But absolutely. No, no, I'm, I'm totally there with you. Absolutely. But my my daughter, she doesn't. I, she's probably. I, I, as a matter of fact, I guarantee she has never sat down and listened to an entire album front to back. It's well, that's I, not how people consume music these days. Yeah, it's not. Probably. It's not. It's not. And I, you know, and that's actually been another thing that's been um, kind of challenging coming back as an artist was was figuring out how to write music that is more consumable now because I. You know, I'm all about those six, seven minute long ballad songs that are just a, a story. You know what I mean? Like a seven minute long story that you sit and listen to. And that's not, people don't have the attention for that anymore. And that's okay. That's not, 
you know, to say anything bad about any, you know, any, anyone or anything. It's just that that's not how, that's not how people do it now. That's just not how, how music is consumed. It's, it's, we have a much shorter attention span now. Songs need to be, you know, three minutes long anything longer than that you're losing the attention of your 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 audience and uh i've really had to change my songwriting to kind of more fit into that and like i said that's okay um it's just changing with the times and it's just uh you know trying to figure out the best way to get my message across to the largest number of people so i get that i mean i was always into the longer like mostly instrumental pieces even if it had lyrics you know there would be long instrumental sections in the songs and so you'd get some of those songs that would be seven eight nine plus minutes long and there were some of them that were that long they'd be over nine minutes long and completely instrumental not a, not a single word spoken or sang in the entire song and, and i was perfectly okay with that because i'm more of an instrumentalist myself i'd I pay attention more to the instrumentation. There are songs I've been listening to for 30 plus years, and I still don't even know exactly what they're talking about or what half the <laughs> lyrics are because I don't pay attention that much to them. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. No, I get that. I because I'm 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 very much into the instrumentation as well. I, like I said, any good album or song, I have to sit and listen to at least a few times, and one time just to appreciate how well the songwriting is. One time to appreciate the like instrumentation and how they put it together and the different progressions and one time to listen to the lyrics and sit down, uh, you know, with the, I, again, I, I, I don't mean to reminisce, but the old CD books where you had all the lyrics right in front of you and you could sit and listen yep. to the CD and, and read through the lyrics as you went through them. Um, you know, I still do that and I, just breaking down the lyrics and, and again, I, and, and that's just how I consume music. That's, you know, I understand that's not the norm, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's just what I, that's, that's how I appreciate music. And that's phenomenal, man. I'm, I, I commend you for that. This, it's not, like you said, it's not the norm, but it's it, those who, whose music you do consume like that, I'm sure they, they would appreciate knowing that, that people are actual, there are still some people out there who really dig in and really actually notice all those little nuances that they worked so hard on. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I just, and, and you're exactly right. I, I hope that, you know, those, those artists would appreciate that. And I, you know, I write music for the same reason to hope that there's somebody like me that's been out there and, and really listening to, you know, my songs and listening to what I have to say and the nuances. And, and, you know, that's one of the big reasons that keeps me writing is that, you know, occasionally I'll get people that's like, I love this lyric and this, you know, made me cry the way that you wrote this and the way that you said this. And, and, and people do listen. There are still people who are out there, you know, that, that consume music that way. And, and, uh, you know, I think that's great. I think that's great. I think any way that you can consume my music, that you find it enjoyable, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just overwhelmingly happy that I, I could provide that for you. So, um, you know, any way you can consume my music that you like it, I'm, I'm, thrilled i'm just thrilled that i could give back a little bit to everything that music gave to me you know um it sounds a little cliche but music has saved my life so many times i i can't even begin to to put into words like how grateful i am for the amazing gifts that i've got from my favorite artists you know the 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 different it's changed my perspective, but growing up in the music I listened to, it, it changed how I thought about things. It made me more empathetic. It made me more, um, you know, caring and concerned about um, issues in the world. And, and, and 
and you know people and the suffering of people and it made me more aware of those things and like i said if i can do that same thing for one two ten a hundred people then um you know i feel like i've done my job i've given back a little bit i i've used you know my 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 talent as much as i have at least of it um so to give back a little bit to music so that is phenomenal Yeah, you're talking about saving lives. It reminds me of uh, the last episode that just aired this past Monday. Uh, <laughs> the young hip hop artist named B Funk is, is is his stage name. When I asked him what his ultimate goal was with his music, his response kind of like it caught me off guard a little bit. I wasn't expecting this, but his he said his ultimate goal was to save lives. He said, I want somebody just like that's on the verge, is not doing well, that's in a really bad place, really dark place to hear my song. And it, it like helps bring them out of it, helps make them realize that, you know, there's something to live for. And I'm like, wow, I was, totally was not expecting that from this young man, but it's not yeah, surprising. That, he's he's an inspirational young man, so I, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. But, yeah, no, that's that was, great. That, that's that was amazing. pretty amazing. That, that that's a great reason to be in, to, into music, you know. And and like I said, that's I, I just uh, my hats off to that 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 guy. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that interview because that, that's not one of the ones I caught of yours. But I listened to a few, but not that one. I'm gonna have to go back because uh, yeah, he sounds like a like a stand up stand up young man for sure. So it, it was one of the shorter ones. It was only about 35 minutes long, but like I I didn't know where to go with it after that. I was like, that's 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 I don't. I want to end on that note right there. I don't want to. I don't want yeah. to do anything else after that that would help cheapen that. You know. So, sure. No. 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 That's... Shorter than most, but I'm gonna to have to have him back on at some point. Yeah. Absolutely. Was, no. I think that's yeah. That's amazing. I was going to tell you the episode number, but I'm having trouble pulling it up here. My phone's not wanting to cooperate with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on. All, all too often, that's the case. I feel like in my life, so don't yeah. uh, don't feel that. Isn't it though? Okay, it was episode number fifteen. Okay, nothing okay. But, nothing but love with beef on some. That's great, man. I, you know, my hats off to him. That's that's amazing. That's um, you know, and that's all I feel like you can hope for as an artist is to give something back to you know music, give something back to the people, give something to your audience, a gift that. Like I said, if, if I can do half as much for for someone as music has done for me, um, if I can even be a small, small part of that, if I can inspire someone to, you know, start writing music or to, you know, I always say I don't care if people love or hate my music. Like, if you absolutely love my music, that's great. That's fantastic. If you absolutely hate my music, then that's okay, too. At least, at least it made you feel something. It made you think. It made you, you know, it, it caused some movement in you. Like, that's, that's fine if that's the case. Case. get out there and write a song and tell me about how i'm wrong you know what i mean like give me your message tell me your point of view tell me your perspective i think that's great that's fine we don't all have to agree on everything um you know i think that's uh, a message that gets misconstrued a lot like we don't all have to agree on everything to, to get along argument is fine you know a pleasant debate is fine that that that's okay like we we need more of that way as long as people are talking then you know we can work through things and and, and again that's another thing that I just I hope that my messages they make you think if nothing else I hope they make you think so absolutely and we do need a lot more like um, peaceful discord among people these days especially like what's been happening as this is being recorded the last you know 
48, 72 hours now of rioting and looting and such like that. It's like we need we need to be able to sit down and talk through stuff a little better and not let our difference of opinion come to blows every time something you know there's a a conflict it's i don't know i, I don't want to speak out too much on that because it's it's a deeply personal issue to a lot of people and i get it but i just i hate that it always has to come to such violent ends before something is actually ever accomplished yeah no no i mean i i totally agree with you i i uh you know, nothing would make me happier than to not see all of this going on right now. Um, you know, I feel like at least the message is unfortunately necessary. We shouldn't be in 2020 having this conversation. This, I think it's absolutely crazy that this is, that things have come to this, um, you know, that, that this hasn't been addressed earlier. I just, it amazes me that we're still having these issues in 2020. And, you know, I, I, it's hard. I, I, I agree with the message. I, I 100% agree with the message. I just, you know, I, I and I think that there's a, a huge disconnect between the people who are trying to speak their mind and peacefully protest and things like that. And then the people who are out there who just want to see the world burn. You know what I mean? Uh, those are not the same people for sure. I, I 100% anybody's going to take advantage of, of a situation like that if they can't. They're not great people in the world. Um, you know, not everybody's a great person. There are bad people doing bad things. Um, and, uh, unfortunately that's really muddying up. I feel like the, the, the message, which I, you know, I strongly, strongly, strongly agree with, um, you know, again, not to get too overly political on your show, but I, I, uh, you know, like I said, I totally agree with the message. I just, um, it's unfortunate they, they have some people that have kind of intertwined themselves with the protesters that are, that are causing all these problems that, uh, you know what I mean? That I don't think that uh, I can't speak for the people who are out there protesting, but I, I would say a vast majority of them have spoken up and said they don't agree with this violence and the, the burning down of buildings and things like that. But that's not uh, that's not part of their message. So I, I, I feel bad that there are people out there taking advantage of a frankly really crappy situation and, and you know, trying to, to use that to their benefit, financial or otherwise. So. And it doesn't take too many people to kind of, once you get in a, a large crowd, to incite such more violent reactions and it catches on. People that normally wouldn't partake in such things, a mob mentality just kind of comes over and it, it escalates quickly when you get a large group of people that way. You take any any one of those people individually and they, they would be like, no, I'd never do something like that, but it winds up escalating beyond their control and it gets out of hand sometimes. Uh, I know it has a few times now here in the Dallas area we've had some issues uh, a couple of nights ago there was a, some pretty significant destruction that happened downtown so and most people renounce that after the fact but it's just like you said there's a few people who are really making the problem worse during the process. I think I think you know and, and again I don't want to speak for anyone but myself but I, I think that the more the issue is, is that, you know, we keep seeing these, these things happening, these issues of, of, you know, um, you know, let's be frank, uh, black people being unnecessarily killed, 
Like, we'll just call it like it is, right? Um, and, and, and like in this case where, you know, I'm not saying that uh, uh, George Floyd was innocent of any crimes because I have no idea. I wasn't there when, when this call went in. But I, from that video that I saw, there was no reason that that man needed to be murdered, just murdered in the street. And, and again, I, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to call it like it is. Um, and I think people are just tired of, of this happening over and over again. And people saying like, well, we're going to change this and we're going to change this and we're going to change this. And there's no policies put in place. There's nothing to back this up. You know, words are great. Words are great, but we need actions to back this up. I think that's the only way that this is going to be, you know, again, I agree with you. You're not always going to rid everyone. There, there's always going to be bad apples, but I think there needs to be more policies, more, um, you know, closely monitoring. There needs to be independent parties that, that, that monitor the conduct of police officers, more training based on, you know, safer ways to, um, you know, handle arrests and things like that. Um, but I just, until we actually see some action from the government, then I, I don't know that we're, we are going to see an end to this. And, and that's unfortunate. I think people are just, if I can be frank, they're pissed, you know, they're pissed for this just again, happening over and over and over and over again and nothing being done about it. Um, you know, again, it would be one thing if this happened when we had, you know, checks and balances in place, right? Like we had more, again, regulations in place, more actual physical policies in place. But when you just have your politicians standing up there and saying, I feel so bad, I'm so sorry, um, let's go back to normal life. And, and then a week later, the same thing happens again. There's another video. Um, you know, people are just, just tired of it. They're fed up with it. You, you can only push people so far before people begin to push back honestly. Um, and I can't say that I blame them. Again, I don't necessarily agree with, um, and I don't, I don't want to malign the protesters with, with these riots. I, like I said, I truly believe that that is not what the, the interest of the, the protesters are, but, um, you know, I think we're going to continue to see these things and people are going to push back. They're, they're just tired of it. They're just absolutely fed up with it. Um, and, you know, this is the first time in, in American history we're seeing people stand up in everywhere, everywhere. Right now I'm, I'm staying in a extremely rural town in, um, you know, basically BFE, Ohio, right? There's more cows than there probably are people here. Um, it's a farming town and it's a primarily white town. And there are even protesters in the street here. This is the first time that I think this is really, maybe not the first time, but it, you know, it, it's resonating. It's resonating with people all over. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you, you got to take advantage of that situation. And uh, like I said, I hope that they can, I, I say protest away, keep on going. Um, you know, just we need to weed out those bad eggs that, that are in those protests that are, that are causing all this violence. But I am 100% about, you know, First Amendment, about uh, all of our amendments, but First Amendment being, the, the, in my opinion, the most important is the fact that we have the right to free speech, that we can say these things, we can do these things. That's what makes America special. Um, you know, in other <laughs> Absolutely. Other countries, you know, people would be strung up by their necks for saying and doing the things. Oh, yeah. That, that they, you know, that, that we're allowed to say here and that's what makes us such a great country. So I say protest away, um, you know, just stop burning buildings. <laughs> for, for the, the, history the, books the, the people full. who are out there, for the, the anarchists out there, go home. <laughs> go the history home. books are full <laughs> of don't. people who tried to protest like this and were gunned down in the streets. So like, like you said, you can't get away with that everywhere. Mm -mm. 
No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I'm sorry if we got a little overly political on your show. I apologize. It's just, uh, yeah, I get fired up about it. I, um, you know, I, I, I'm very saddened by the events that have been, been playing out the last couple of days. I've been, uh, it's very frustrated. The circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. But, and like I said, I think the most frustrating part of all of it is just that I can't believe I mean, we were having the same conversation in, in the in the fifties and sixties. Like why are we still having this conversation in twenty twenty? This should not be a conversation. You know what I mean? This we shouldn't need to be having this conversation in twenty twenty. Uh, you know, I, I think that it if it, it it needs to be said because of what's going on, but overall we should have this shouldn't have even have been a thing to come up. We shouldn't have these issues still in twenty twenty. So it's really unfortunate. I just have to take some solace in the fact that you compare now to 1950, that's what, 70 years ago, and there's, granted, still a long way to go, but to look at how far we've come, because you look even, sure. into, the, even into the 70s, it was a whole different world. I mean, you were, you'd have black kids being lynched in, by, by town, people in the town, just regular townsfolk, and Half the people in the group that were wearing their stupid white hoods were were the law enforcement. They took their hoods off, went back to work as, as the deputy sheriffs and stuff the next morning. So yeah, that was still coming up well into the 70s, into my lifetime that I can recall hearing stories of that. So there was a yeah. man, there was a man, dra a black man, dragged to death behind a car in Jasper in the 90s. This sort of thing happens and still Amazing. is, but. The frequency of such instances has reduced so dramatically that it's at least there's there's that there's hope there because we've come so far that let's push through the rest of the way and see. I agree. How, I agree. How, see where we can eventually get this to. Like I said, you never weed out every single asshole off the planet. Uh, sure. There's bad eggs in every group and everywhere, but. We can get it down to where you just don't hear about it at all anymore because it's just the few rotten apples that are still out there, they're scared to death to actually do something like that, which they're starting to get that way now. I mean, you, you know cops right now, they know that every single person around them has basically a movie studio in their pocket that can film whatever they're doing. And, and, once, and they all have that in the back of their mind, whether they're just some prick like this guy in um, Minneapolis or if they're, you know, just – a regular guy that's just trying to go about his job, just hoping he doesn't wind up getting in trouble for something that he didn't mean to, you know, or like just <laughs> something gets out of hand. And right, right, right. No, I totally agree with you. And I, you know, I, 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 again, I don't want to malign um, all police officers because I think a lot of people are doing that right now. And I think that uh, that is also unfortunate that that is also unfortunate because, um, you know, they're, they're 100% are great cops out there. I mean, my, my, my biological father was a cop for, for almost 10 years, um, you know, and, and there are, there are fine people out there. It's just, um, y y I'm glad that this is coming about. And I think, if nothing else, hopefully this will start or send a message to you can be a good cop and not like you don't have to cover up things because you feel like that's what you need to do. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I compared it the other way to my, my friend the other day. Um, you know, if I being a nurse, if I were to see a nurse or an aide or a doctor um, or whoever it may be abusing one of my patients, 
I would have their ass out of that building so fast it would make your head spin. That is part of my job. I protect my patients, right? Like my patients come before my coworkers. Doesn't matter who, you know what I mean, who it is. If you're abusing one of my patients, like you are going to be pulled out of that building and we're going to report you, you know what I mean, to the state government, like our Department of Health, so quickly that you wouldn't even believe how quickly it would happen. I don't understand how that's any different than, you know, these these police officers that, that feel like they can't or shouldn't speak up. Like, I would like to see that same line of thought where you're protecting your people, right? Because that's your civil servant. You're there to protect the people. Um, if you see another officer, uh, you know, hurting or harming, unnecessarily harming, because I understand their job's a little bit different, right? Like they have people that they're out there to find the bad people in our world, right? Like they, obviously they're going to have some pushback from time to time, but I think there's a major difference between that and putting your, um, knee on some, uh, some man's neck for four minutes after they're unconscious. That, that there's, there's a difference between those two things. So, um, you know, I just hope if nothing else, more officers realize that, you know, not only can they, but it's their duty to speak up against issues like that. When they see those kind of things, they need to report them. Um, you know, that's, that's what being a good cop is in my opinion is, is being able to put the people first, the people that you're serving before anything else. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, there's just become this like kind of like a good old boys network within a lot of the police force. And they, the camaraderie there is kind of, overpowers some of that at times and that's that's been problematic at times too to so sure. I mean, they'll overlook just about anything because oh well yeah the guy the guy don't tell him what he would have done if we had let him you know whatever they make excuses for it and and that that's part of the problem and that's part of what like exactly what you're talking about that needs to change within within those departments but that's something that again is it's, it's come a long ways but it's it's going to take decades more to completely push that type of mentality out of those departments like that. It just is. You're going to have to wait till several more, another generation or two comes along to weed the last of that remnants of that out. And it's just sadly that's it. Just takes time. Yeah, I mean that's I, it's a valid point. I hope you're wrong. <laughs> Honestly, I hope it doesn't take that long. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I can, I can see your point on that. It's, um, I don't know. The whole thing's just unfortunate. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, that, that's, like I said, I, I think I've spoke my piece on that. So. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's, been, it's just a mess all the way around. And I hate that we're having to contend with it yet again. It seems like it's been a common thread as for the past, I don't know, six, eight years or so now, maybe a little longer. Mm-hmm. About the past decade has been a recurring theme, and like I said, hopefully enough people, enough of these the few bad eggs that are still out there will start realizing, hey, everybody has a camera, and I could get caught, so I better not do this kind of stupid shit anymore. And that maybe that'll help suppress those few enough to where we can get it down to where it just doesn't happen anymore. But it's gonna, sadly, it might take a few more of these really public outcries like this to get enough people to realize you can't get away with that anymore it's not going to happen it's just like the me too movement you know that that stuff was kept under wraps for 50 plus years it was commonplace that women would be just utilized however a lot of the 
men in power felt like utilizing them. They were sexually assaulted, and that was just a, the norm in the industry until people started shedding a light on it. And that's why I'd say that the uh, internet and social media create um, as it is today is really doing a lot to help get rid of a lot of that stuff because you look at what happened with Me Too and within a year that practice was completely obliterated. It's like, It might still happen once in a while but you're not going to be able to get away with it in a systematically like you did before. You might get away with it once or twice here and there but you're going to get your ass in trouble for it and it's you're not going to be another Harvey Weinstein that can like do this to women for decades and just get away with it. You can't be another um, Epstein, you know, and get away with you know molesting young girls for decades on the end. We we see this stuff now, and those types of activities they can't survive in the light of day. They have they rely on being able to hide in the shadows, and social media has cast a giant spotlight on those types of activities, and that's what will eventually be the downfall of those things, I believe. So. That's a a great point. Extremely, extremely good point. Very, very, very good point. I, I uh, I'm glad that you brought up the the, the Me Too movement too, because that's uh, it's exactly what happened. And social media was a huge part of that. I mean, that was you know the hashtag is what what yeah. sent that kind of around the world. And uh, Twitter and I uh, think uh, Alyssa Milano was the one that started the whole thing. Yeah. From what I recall, it started with one hashtag and just blew up from there and just completely obliterated an entire horrific practice that had been taking place for half a century. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And rightly so. I'm so glad that, 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 it, that obviously it was, uh, yes. it, it's kind of being dismantled the, those old practices and uh, yeah, great point. Great, great point. So I, I kind of lump those types of activities because they're all horrific things that people do that I kind of try to lump them together a little bit. The me too, um, scumbags or the, the, <laughs> the scumbag cops that pull shit that they shouldn't be doing. Uh, they're, that's all part and parcel of the same thing. It's just people who just don't value life, don't value humanity, don't value other people at all. They have no, they have no concept of empathy or anything, and that that needs to change. Couldn't have said noticed. Couldn't said it better myself. Could not have said it better myself. Absolutely, yeah. And that's what the, those people are. They, they, yeah, they have no. Um, they have no empathy. They have no understanding of, of other. And I just don't, I, I don't see how we, we are where we are now where anyone thinks that, you know, another race or another sex is, is less of a human being than them. That's disgusting to me. That's just absolutely disgusting that, that, that people still think that way, that that frame of thought still exists. Um, you know, that's, it's, I don't know. I'm imaginally unfortunate. I couldn't, you know, being it's got to be a depressing life being a person like that, that, you know, that just thinks there's so much better, just so, you know, I don't, I don't even know, just so disillusioned. So, so deranged to believe that, that, that in, in, especially in today's day and age where again, social media, one of the great aspects of it is, is you can hear and see and, and, and talk to people so easily and understand them and, and, you know, get to see who they are and where they're coming from and their beliefs and, and just how beautiful it's a, it's a society. You know what I mean? Like we can be, we, we can be such a great 
humanity is such a great gift. It's such a beautiful gift. And it's unfortunate that people don't see that, don't see that for all of the, 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 the beauty is in the diversity of, of us as humankind. You know, we don't all have to be the same. Nobody wants everything the same all the time. You know, that's, that's not, there's nothing great about that. The greatness comes from the diversity of us. And I, and I just, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that people still, still think that they're still kind of locked in that old, old way of thinking that that everything just you know has to be exactly everybody has to be exactly the same everybody has to be cookie cutters and i think it goes back to again that thing if we're not conversing if we're not talking then you can't get to know people you can't understand where they're coming from um you know unfortunately in order to get across to those people they have to be willing to try to understand to see somebody else's point of view and i feel like in a lot of those cases unfortunately people just aren't they're just not willing to, to listen to somebody else's point of view, to try to understand where they're coming from, to try to understand their culture and where they've been and, and you know, those kind of things. So, Yeah, definitely. And, and I realize this comes from decades and decades ago. Like I, I spoke to a woman a few, a few years back. I, I don't want to give away too much, but she's like pushing nearly 80 years old at this point. And she's in her 70s, I believe, at the time. I, 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 I don't recall exactly her age, but she's a much older woman than myself. And she's she tells me that she had never even seen – she was raised in a rural area. And she had never even seen a black person until she was, like, in her mid-20s. All she knew is the, like, propaganda crap that you'd heard and, like, the little – Things you'd seen on little, little TVs or little movies, not even TVs. I don't think they had TV. I know they didn't have TV when she was growing up. But like when you'd go to the movies and they'd have like the little cartoon at the beginning and they'd always portrayed the black person with the big lips and the big gums and sure. all that such. And that's that was her whole idea of what black people were. It was like, wow, that's <laughs> that is so telling of why so so many of these misconceptions got started in the first place because they just had no knowledge of it. <laughs> they right, had no knowledge right. of each other at all. And we don't have that excuse today. So I was I was about to that's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, you, you know, you I can under I, I can be empathetic to that. I can understand if you if that's how you were raised and, and before anybody had the opportunity to see those kind of things, like that makes sense. But yeah, there is no excuse there's no excuse today. It's so easy to, you know, meet people and understand people. And, and, and we live in such a diverse, it's called the only excuse, you know, that, that you'd have is, is just the, you're not willing to try. You're not willing to, you know, allow yourself to, to meet and understand and, 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 you know, those kind of things, like you're, you're not allowing yourself to um, be empathetic to other people, to try to understand what they're about and where they're coming from and those kind of things. And if you're that close minded, honestly, um, um, you know, it might sound kind of brash, but I, I in, in my opinion, there's no place for you in, in our society right now. Exactly. And uh, the, with the awareness that we have of the world around us today, there's absolutely no excuse for it. And I use the example of my daughter again. Um, her awareness of what's going on in the world compared to what my awareness was, even at her age, it would have been around like 80, pardon me, around 83, 84 when I was her age. And uh, she knows what's happening like with she was watching a video and learned about some like how Kit Kats were testing certain really unusual flavors and doing test markets in Japan to test <laughs> these flavors. 
And I'm like, I'm, when I was your age, I barely knew Japan was even a place. I knew that's where Sony like, came it? from. That was about it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, yeah, that, that, that that's one of the great aspects of, of this of our interconnected lives now, for sure. That, that That's definitely one of the, the, the better aspects of it. Absolutely. Well, before we get off here, I want to make sure everybody knows where they can find you. Um, I know, but you, why don't you let everybody else know? Sure, sure. Um, so you can find me at Brandon MG Music um, at Twitter. Um, I also have... Um, uh, from there, you can find my other social media accounts as well. Like they're they're all linked from there. Um, I, again, that's the most direct way to contact me is through Twitter. Um, also, have a website if if you're um, you know interested in in connecting with me, working with me. Uh, you can more than happy to send me an email as well. It's uh, Brandon M Gardner Music at um, gmail dot com. You can find me on uh, on there um, or just Brandon like Brandon M Gardner Music. Um, dot com as well. Um, there's a page there that you can send me an email. But again, probably the easiest, fastest way to get a hold of me directly is through Twitter. Um, that's what I'm on the most. So um, check me out there. There's links to all the music as well. I know we haven't. Uh, we got really off topic and didn't get much into the music, but um, you know, it's a I, while I, there. But we got way off topic. You were <laughs> we topic. did. We did get a little off topic. That, but, that's um, how yeah. things go. It's just a conversation. We're hanging out, and whatever comes of it, comes of it. Uh, that's why I love no, about I, this. I love it. Um, so you can find my music on any of the streaming sites, Spotify, um, Apple Music, uh, Google Play, um, you know, any, any, of the, any of the major streaming sites you, you can find my music on as well. Just uh, Brandon M. Gardner. Just type it in and you got me. And I've also uh, – I'll be linking up everything in the show notes as well. So if anyone who wants to find that without having to try to remember those, they can just go click on it right from the – just go to autonomytalent.com slash podcast and look for Brandon's episode. And I'm not exactly sure what number this will be just yet because I haven't scheduled it that far out yet. I have a few recorded, so but I will definitely – it'll be up there so you can find it that way for sure. Okay, awesome. That's That sounds great, Bill. All right, Brandon. Well, you know, I really appreciate you coming and hanging and talking with me for a little bit. I, I had a good time. Hey man, it was my pleasure. I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate having uh, you having me on. I, I had a blast. It was it was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to talk about uh, such a wide variety of things. That, that's always uh, you know I, I greatly enjoy doing that. I love talking to people. So um, thank you so much for having me on. I love the show. So uh, you know my best wishes, best luck to you in the future. I appreciate that, Brandon. Same to you, man. Um, well, when do you have uh, anything coming up as far as releases? I know you just released that EP back in January, but do you have anything new that you want to let people know about? Um, I do have a uh, yeah, yeah. I do have a single coming out um, right now with everything going on. Seeing as how um, I'm still kind of on the front lines of things that kind of push back our schedule, so I don't have a release date yeah. on the single. Um, but uh, but it will be coming out, I would say, probably by at the latest, the end of summer, um, you'll be seeing that. And then uh, we're working hard on a full length. Originally, we were projecting early 2021. Um, obviously, again, with things being pushed back, not being able to like get into the studio with people and be with people, um, that's going to be pushed back a little bit further. But 
keep your eyes out. Watch, uh, watch out for that single. Come, best way to keep it, keep in contact with me is uh, come follow me on Twitter because uh, again, I, I everything is on there. I post everything new on there, everything upcoming. So um, come follow me over there. We'll hang Excellent. out. Sounds good, Brandon. Well, I'll be catching you over on Twitter shortly then. All right, sounds great, Bill. I'll take care. Bill. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Autonomy Talent Podcast. Whether you're listening as you're commuting to work or as you're washing the dishes or mowing the yard, we greatly appreciate you listening and helping us to support indie artists everywhere. Be sure to follow us all over social. You can find us at Autonomy Pod, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. And we're also at Autonomy Talent on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, you name it, or you simply just go to autonomytalent.com slash links. From there, we have links to where you can listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast player, be it the Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Google Play Music, or even Stitcher. And also, there's the Podbean app. They are our hosting service, and they do have their own app. So if you grab the Podbean app, you can actually catch our show as well as many other podcasts. And lastly, if you go to that links page and you still don't see your favorite podcasting app, the one that you like to use, just drop me a note and I'll be sure it gets added to whatever player you like to use. To send me a message, just go to Autonomy Talent on either Twitter or Instagram and drop me a quick DM letting me know which app you like to use and I will go immediately or as soon as I can and add our feed to that app. And while we're on the subject of sending me a message... If you are an artist and you would like to be interviewed for this show or have your works featured on the Indie Artist Spotlight episodes that we release on Wednesdays and the occasional Fridays, drop me a line, same way, Twitter or Instagram, and let me know that you'd like to be featured. Shoot me a link with some of your work and I'll take a look at it and we'll see what we can do by getting you on the show. And that wraps up yet another episode of the Autonomy Talent Podcasts. Thank you again for listening and I hope you enjoy this half as much as I do because for me... It's, it's a ball getting to talk to these amazing artists and getting to feature their works on the spotlight episodes that we do. It's just, it's just fun. So I hope you're having fun with it as well, and we're going to keep cranking these things out. So in closing, remember to always live intentionally.